Back to the Culture Call on Praise 93.3 with L. Spencer Smith. Our desire is to reach and empower the community by discussing a cross-section of relevant topics from various perspectives that are essential to its growth and interpersonal connections. Be sure to save our call-in number 205-752-4800. Be sure to install the free Praise 93.3 app so you can send L. Spencer Smith a message or topic idea. Search for WTSK in your app store. This is a world premiere. Great morning, great morning, great morning, precious people. You know what time it is. That's right. It's time for the Culture Call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith, right here on Praise 93.3. I am telling you, it's a great day to be alive. It's a great day to be here talking to you. And you know this is the place where Tuscaloosa meets the world. That's right. And for the next two hours from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., we're going to be talking a little bit about everything from society to sports, from education to economics, from religion to relationships. And as always, we are here to create a safe space. That's right, a safe space to have empowering, provocative, and yes, sometimes controversial conversations. And guess what? You can call in or chat it up with us right here as we learn together on the Culture Call. Want to send a special shout out to Brother Jay that heats up the airwaves. That's right. Make sure that he passes a fiery baton to me to have these little talks and these little conversations with you. We give him a shout out, man. We appreciate who he is every day. Absolutely. Listen, here's what I need you to do. If you are a first-time listener to The Culture Call, I want to welcome you on board. That's right. Thank you for being a part of The Culture Call family this morning. Listen, we are growing by leaps and bounds every day. And so I hope uh, that you will stay tuned and make sure that you participate and be a part of the conversation. I'm going to tell you how to do that in just a little bit. And definitely to all of my recurring listeners, you listen to me every day, whether you're at home or on your job or whether you're, you know, traveling or doing what you got to do, listening to the radio. Listen, I appreciate always uh, for your consistent uh, listening skills. That's right. And calling in. That's right. I thank you for that and your encouragement. Listen, this is what I need everybody to do. If you have not done it yet, go ahead to your uh, your smartphone or your smart device, your, your Apple or your Android phone or whatever that is, uh, go ahead to that app store and you can search Praise 93.3 and there you will find an app, a free 99 app. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to download it. Let me see who's going to pay attention today. That's right. I want you to go ahead and download that. And guess what? When you download it, open it up. Sign up. Get in there. You're going to hear me. They're talking. That's me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I need you to keep it there. You can chat it up with me. Listen. From all around the country, all around the world. That's right. You can hear me in Detroit, Michigan. Yes, you can. You can hear me in Dallas, Texas. Absolutely. You can hear me in Demopolis, Alabama. Definitely. You can hear me right here in Tuscaloosa, Birmingham, and all of the surrounding areas with that app. Absolutely. I want to make sure 
that we stay in touch with each other. And guess what? You can always uh, send me your uh, your uh, public service announcement and your events. Listen, because there's a whole lot going on in our city, especially during the holidays. A whole lot of great things are happening. But I need to let everybody know what's happening. That's right. So let me be your church announcer, your event announcer, your public relations specialist. Go ahead and email me that announcement at culturecall.praise at gmail.com. That's culturecall.praise at gmail.com. And let me let everybody know. Tell Lottie Dottie and everybody about what's happening in your church, your organization, your sorority, your fraternity, or whether you're having a choir concert, uh, whether you're an entrepreneur having a seminar. Listen, it does not matter. Tell the dog catcher, send me something so I can let everybody know. Hide your dogs, hide your cats, right? Whatever it is. That's right, because we want faces in the place to let you know how important it is, the work that you are doing in the event that you're putting on. You know why? Because we do it better when we do it together. And as always, you can write down this number. Listen, this is an important number, 205-752-4800. As always, 205-752-4800. And you can call into the show and talk to me about what you think about our, uh, you know, what we're talking about that day, what we're discussing that day. Listen, I love to hear from you as and, and you can also uh, hit me up on the chat. That's right. The chat has a uh, the the app rather. The app has a feature, a chat feature where you can hit me up and let me know what you're thinking about the show. Show if I'm doing if I'm doing a good job. If I'm stinking up the joint, it doesn't matter. I just want to hear from you. Also, want to invite you uh, to be a part of our Facebook page. That's right. We are on social media, and on Facebook, you can go ahead and search the Culture Call, like the page, and you can hear and you can see rather all of the wonderful things that we are posting on our page. That's right. You can do that. You can interact with us there, and definitely you can send your flyers and messages message us there, and we'll say it on the radio. We'll announce it on the radio. Absolutely. So everybody can know about what is going on. Also, also, drum roll. That's right. We are on Apple Podcasts now. What does that mean? That means that if you've missed the show, you can go ahead and uh, go through our archives. You can hear any and every show that we've done uh, since they put us on Apple Podcasts. Yes, it's wonderful. I'm subscribed to it. Yeah. If you have an Apple phone. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're working on expanding that to make sure that whether you have an Apple or Android device, it does not matter. You can be a part of what is going on on our podcast. So definitely. So do me a favor today. Sit back and relax. Grab you some coffee. You know how we do it. Whether it's Maxwell House or Starbucks, go ahead and get you some herbal tea. Herbal tea. That's right. Chamomile if you're trying to calm down. And a little green tea if you're trying to get a little caffeine kick. Yeah, definitely. And you can always get some alkaline water detox that body from that macaroni and cheese and pig feet and collard greens with that pork, you know, all of that in there, fried chicken. Go ahead and detox your body on this morning and uh, get down to that cellular level and say, hey, wake up. Let's get do what we got to do. Get hydrated and let's get into the culture. 
Listen, this morning I want to talk about how we can reset our community as we enter into the final months of our, our final days, not months, but uh, days of October and into the final months of this year, 2023. I want to make sure that we are on target. I don't want to wait till January to give you uh, fine points and and you know resolutions. I think that will be too late. I think that uh, with the day and the time that we have right now, we don't need to put off till tomorrow what we should be doing today. And I don't think it's too early to plan and to reset and to revision, a re-envision of what we want our communities to look like. And that begins with reimagining the possibilities of of what's going on in our neighborhood, what's going on up and down our street, and most importantly, what's going on with us. I don't want us to miss the, uh, the, the thinking and the thought that we are central and vital to what is going on. In a few weeks, if you've not done it all, if you've not seen it rather already, you're going to see uh, community officials, politicians, you're going to see people coming door to door, inviting you to things, inviting you to the polls, registering to vote, all those different kinds of things. Uh, they're going to be pulling on you uh, to do your civic duty. And uh, you, you, we need to be, as I always say, uh, aware of what is going on in the world around us, right? There's a whole lot going on with the news. And uh, one of the things that I was taught as a young preacher, uh, my granddaddy taught me that good preaching and a well-rounded sermon or a well-rounded teaching is to have the Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. And uh, I think that is very important. In so doing, because, yes, there are certain things that are happening that are the signs of the times. And then there are things that are happening simply because uh, we are humans and we interact with each other. And so, you know, part of my assignment in our community is to make sure uh, that I equip each and every one of us to be aware of what is going on. So when you're looking at what's happening in uh, in the, the Middle East, and uh, uh, when you look at what we call the Middle East, which is really Africa, when you're looking at what's going on there with uh, Israel in Palestine, and actually Israel and Hamas, but there's a, a, there's a, a whole ideological situation that's happening with that war, that Israel, in, in truth, is not just uh, uh, after uh, Hamas, but they're coming after Gaza, which is causing a lot of innocent people to be, uh, be, be hurt on both sides, both in Israel and Palestine, right? Uh, when you're looking at what's happening in Africa right now, in the Sudan, uh, with, with that level of fighting and war, and that's a tribal war. So you don't hear too much about that because, number one, it is Africa. And number two, it's tribalism that is going on in the country. And uh, most specifically, when you hear about all of the things that's happening in our country, right? Uh, when you hear about the things that's happening in Congress uh, between the Democrats and the Republicans, especially on the GOP side, the infighting, the, the warfare there, the ideological oppositions that are happening. It used to be just Democrats versus Republicans and vice versa, but now you're seeing there are factions uh, that are literally causing our, comp- uh, our country to come to a screeching halt because you've got people on the far right who are uh, 
are zealots, you know, uh, in conservatism. There are still people who believe in white supremacy and racism uh, going back to the 18th century uh, where slavery was present uh, and prevalent uh, and, and defended as a country. Um, when you look at all those things going on, right, when you see weather patterns happening, we can tell. You know, I could go on and on and the list goes on and on. And when you say those things, you have to ask yourself, Okay, what does that mean for my community? What does that mean for my family? And most importantly, what does that mean for my person? And I'll tell you what it means. It means that we have to arise and become a thinking people. We must arise and become a thinking community. We must arise and become a thinking and a faith-centered community again. Again, and I say again because I think that the last three to four years post-pandemic and throughout the pandemic, there was something that occurred in our communities, right? Um, there was a whole lot of help that was to be revealed. Uh, there were a lot of organizations that arose uh, to help and assist um, there was a whole lot of deaths that happened. There was a whole lot of transitions into a virtual space where you don't have to be present to be uh, in the room, to be present uh, to the programming. In other words, uh, a whole lot of churches went online. A whole lot of jobs went online. Schools went online. Um, there was a whole thing about social distancing. And uh, all of that was good for the time. And what we're finding out now, however, is the effect that that whole virtuality and social distancing and disconnection uh, from the uh, from central uh, community features, how that has affected us. Right. That people don't believe that they have to be there in person to be there, that people don't understand uh, that they don't have to have their bodies in a place in order to be present and, you know, or to have a viewpoint. And although that is true, uh, what we are also finding is that it has caused a level of disconnection, a, a lack of connectivity in our community. It has caused us to try to virtually have relationships and virtually have uh, communications and virtually not, you know, so antiseptic uh, that, you know, you could be in class and not even be paying attention. Now, if you're in person, that teacher is aware of every student, but now you can just be in, you can be doing anything in a meeting, a, a board meeting, and not even be, you know, be there. You can be on the screen, but your mind be something somewhere totally different. Different. And we don't think about the effects and the level of effects that that, that has had on a great deal of people. Uh, when that, when this, as this virtuality uh, goes forward in our community, we are leaving an entire generation behind, right? Because our older generation, uh, who may not be as proficient in technology, they don't know about Zoom. They don't know about. Facebook Lives and Google Chats and Microsoft Teams, right? Uh, they're being left behind in a world that is steadily advancing, in a world uh, that's steadily moving forward. And they're like, well, what, what about us? What about the senior citizens? How are we staying in touch with the world? You know, 
uh, when I was growing up and I went to my grandparents' house, uh, they were very aware of what was happening in the world. Why? Because at that time they had radio and television, but actually television, you know, but they always listened to the radio like much of you are listening to me now. And it was there that they got their news. It was uh, Tom Brokaw, Walter Cronkite, right? And, and all of those different people that would simply give them what was happening in the world. And so they could see, you know, what was happening in their community. And, of course, that's when television cut off at around about 11, um, almost midnight. It cut off, stations cut off, and there was nothing but static. But now we are living in a world, in a 24-hour cycle of news commentary, not necessarily information, but uh, they're giving commentary. They're giving uh, uh, their perspective on the news. So they're not really reporting what's going on. They're reporting or giving you uh, their commentary. And we think that that is what is going on. And so now because of everything progressing, let me get back to what I was saying, that there is a generation in our community, our senior citizens are being left out. Those who were once the foundation of our information now are not part of that conversation, right? Um, I, I'm grateful to have had a mother uh, who was very much aware. So she knew how to get on Zoom and she we taught her how to look up things. And of course, she was so uh, self-independent. She was independent. So she would research and figure out how to get on those particular things because she wanted to be continue to be, even in her 70s, a viable part of the community. She wanted to know what the young people were looking at. She wanted to know the language and all those different kinds of things that they were talking about, right? And uh, but but unfortunately, a lot of senior citizens are not like that. A lot of them are being left behind. And that should be a concern for our community. Now, why is that? Good. Glad that you asked, because when it comes to creating and uh, and participating in governmental structure, in the political structure, in the religious structure, in the spiritual structure, in the foundational structures of our communities, it is primarily the senior citizens that participate. Let me say this again. Okay, so number one, the senior citizens are the ones that are being left out of this electronic uh, virtual reality uh, uh, community that's going on. They're being left out to, to, you know, to not be aware of what is happening. And a lot of them think that they're still living in the same world that they were living in when they were, you know, when they were younger, right? And because they don't know the world is changing. They don't know that all of these things are happening. And again, if you're a senior citizen and you're greatly aware, you are a, a, a small slither or a part of a small block of what is happening, you know, of those who are functional in this post-COVID community. And, uh, but listen, but when it comes to decision-making in our community, young people tap out because they have believed the trope, they have believed the falsehood, they have believed the idea that voting doesn't matter, participating in civic and community things doesn't matter, right? Uh, that, that what, what uh what does our vote matter? They're gonna do what they want to do. It's a conspiracy. 
theories and and they're you know they're listening to their friends who don't uh vote or they're listening to you know rap artists or younger people who have their influence is no longer coming from their grandparents and their they, you know and their churches and those things that were strongholds in our community it's coming from a level of people who are disconnected because they're so busy trying to be stars and all and they're influencing our young people to not participate and so we have the older generation that are making decisions for us. That's not always a bad thing, but I am telling you that when you disconnect from what is happening in a major society, what's going on around, you know, one of the things that uh, I learned that early on from my dad was that you've got to have a, you know, when cable and you know, Comcast and uh, all these different kinds of, that offered you thousands of channels, movie channels, HBO and Showtime, all that. And we were so excited. One of the things that my dad would ask them is that, can I still get my local news? Can I still know, can I still get, you know, my the local channels? And at the beginning, they said, well, no, you can't. And then they started adding some local channels on the local channel, started buying more airwaves or being able to get on these cable stations so that you would know, right, uh, what's going on in your community, right? Because his thing was, yeah, it's good for me to know what's going on in Israel and it's good for me to know what's going on in China and Russia, but I need to know what's going on in Monk's Corner. I need to know what's happening. And then he moved here. I need to know what's going on in Tuscaloosa. I want to know what's happening in my community. And one of the things that I want to talk about as we reset our community is do you know it? Better yet is to ask a question. Do you really know what's happening in our city? How are you getting your information as a community? Do you know what's going on in our school systems? Do you know who is running for public office? Do you know who is getting who is trying to make the decisions for uh, uh, for the state and for the city? Right. Do you know what our mayor is proposing? Right. Yeah, I get it. Uh huh. Do you know that recently uh, uh, that they are uh, starting the foundation of a new uh, YMCA on the west side of town? Do you know that? Right. Uh, have you really seen that? Has that really been promoted? How important that was, because I can remember during covid uh, that there that we started talking about. I was at a community meeting on community zooms talking about, you know, the equity of having a YMCA downtown and not having a, a brand new one. Uh, and on the west side that, you know, the constituency of the downtown area, the people had to come into downtown, but they got a brand new eye. And here it is. You got this consist constituency on the west side and they're still dealing with the Benjamin Barnes uh, YMCA. And that's very uh, central to me because that's where our church started in November 2nd, 1990. That's where uh, we started as the New Testament Baptist Church under the, the leadership of my father-in-law, Reverend Charles Moore. So, yeah, so I wanted to know exactly what was happening in that side of town, especially with that building. And and so recently they just announced the groundbreaking of that. But again, if you're if you're not aware of what's happening and that's just the west side. Do you know what's happening in the south side, the expansion down 69 south? Do you know what's happening down there? Uh, do you know what's going on on the north side? Right. Do you know what's going on on the east side of town? Right. Because it all makes up our city. It all makes up our city. 
And I told you before, strong communities produce strong cities. And if you're not aware of what is going on on your side of town, I promise you, you are not aware what's happening in the entire city. I know you're not, right? Uh, do you know that they are trying to raise funding for teachers, right? That they're trying, but the, the way that they do that in the state of Alabama is it, re, it relates to property taxes, that education is funded in a community by the property taxes of that particular, of said community, right? And so you think about, think about, watch this, think about the, the side of town that you are on and think about your, your, your property taxes, right? And think about, oh, well, we got low property taxes, but yeah, that's a good thing for you, but how does it affect the community? How does that low property tax affect the community? See, you've got to know all about what's happening. And I'm telling you, 2024 is going to be a pivotal year in all of the sectors of, of society, right? It's going to be a pivotal year for government because, of course, we elect a new president. That's on the federal level, right? right that Congress has some upheavals there. Uh, it's going to be a whole new uh, reset or a whole new different trajectory uh, for for a lot of the state, local and uh, uh, local state and federal officials being swapped out. Right. It's going to be a whole lot of understanding for a switch in uh, the church world. As we watch a lot of our generals transition. You know, a lot of our fathers and mothers in the gospel, a lot of churches are, are, are closing because the people are not coming back. That instead of going to church, they're going to brunch. <laughs> right. right, right. But that's all happening in our community, right? There are a lot of churches that are merging. Yeah. And of course, there are a lot of churches that are growing, right? They're growing. And because they're, they're tapping into what I would like to call, you know, fast food church, because that's the kind of society that we live in. Get me, get me in by nine, get me out by 10, 1030 church. Right. And so you got enough, you ain't got enough time to sing no hymn good because by the time you get to the hymn, to the third stanza, folks will be looking at their watches. So we're living in a different time. You're living in a different community. And, and if we are not aware of what is happening in our community culture call, hear me now, Hear me now. We're going to be we're going to be voting for the wrong things. We're going to be moving at a snail's pace when the world is moving at the speed of a jetliner. We're going to be wondering why certain things are happening and certain other other communities have and we still have not, right? We 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 we're, we're still going to be talking about reparations instead of repairing our communities. We're going to be talking about, and I'm not saying that the conversation of reparations is incorrect, but you got to read the landscape. You read the, read the landscape. When you see the, uh, a lot of Christo-fascism, fascism, that's it. And when you see a lot of uh, Christian nationalism, that the, the climate for even on a policy and a governmental change for that to happen, it, you don't, that is not even in the cards because the right people are not even in the seats. And then if we stay home, and don't vote, we vote against, we already have voted against our interest. We voted against, we not put the right people in who believe like how we believe. We don't support them, right? But all of this affects our community. And so this morning, what I want to deal with is this whole idea of resetting our community, preparing our communities for the future. 
right? We need to talk to our councilmen. Yeah, we need to talk, have an audience with our mayor. We need to be at the city, conf, city council meetings. We need to show our faces, right? Especially in the communities where development is moving very slowly. And when you look at certain other people, you know, I, I pastor in the Alberta community. I live on the north side, but I pastor in the Alberta community. And, 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 and not, that's the east side. Most of my constituents are from the west side, so they have to commute. So I have to be engaged in three communities, right? And not only the west side, but I have a, uh, a whole lot uh, of, of constituents that come from the south side. So I don't, I don't have the priority like some to just say, hey, I'm concerned about the community simply of my church. No, I've got to be also where my church is located. I've got to also be concerned about the communities of the people who attend my church, who travel to come, right? I, I, you've got to be concerned about everybody now. This is everybody in the ship. All of us are in the ship going together as a community, right? We're dealing with a community and a state of, of banned books and banned literature, and that's against diversity, equity, and inclusion. How does that affect the black community? That they are trying to change the history. That I'm talking about from a political and a governmental set point, that they're taking certain books out that speak truth to our history, but now and replacing them with, with, with books and ideology that says slaves learn trades that help them in the future. You mean that's what you're talking about now? That, that we're, we're, they're changing our history. And are we sitting on the sidelines and just allowing them to do that? Yeah. Are we sitting there or are we being proactive? Is our voice being made heard? You know, every time I try to stand up before my congregation, I'm always talking about something. I, I, I try, you know, this month, this month I just finished a series on black men called Put That Man in His Place. And I knew it was going to ruffle some feathers, but I had to bring some societal and cultural things that have permeated and, and inundated and made our black men come against our black woman and vice versa, vice black women against black men. And because there is an attack on black family and an attack on black families hinders the black community. So I have to preach about that. I can't just preach about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Culture call. I got to bring in what's happening and the policies that are being made in the cultural context so that we all can be together, so that we can start ending this fight that we didn't start, but that the media put in our community. We have to be aware of what is going on. We got to bring our our older generation with us. Joseph said, hey, take my bones with you as you're going forward to promise. Don't leave anybody behind. And so this is what we're going to be talking about today. And I want to hear from you, Culture Call. How can we reset our community and go forward stronger, right? Absolutely. Listen, go ahead and get you some coffee, some tea, some water. It's going to be a great day on the Culture Call right here with L. Spencer Smith on Praise 93.3. Don't miss it. Culture Call family, absolutely. And we are having a wonderful day talking about resetting our community. That's right. What is our part individually of, to make sure that our communities are ready for the future? You know, this one is really, really uh, close to my heart 
because I love my community. I love, first of all, I love black people. And uh, I, I love all black people in whatever iteration they come in. You know, uh, I, I love my community and I want to see us thrive. And part of my wheelhouse, part of my life's work is to make sure that where I can, I lend a voice, my voice, that's right, as what whatever influence God has given me to make sure that we are doing the best that we can for ourselves, right? That I believe in a ideology and a theology where we trust God, where we trust what God has put inside of us, trust the God in us on a sure faith, and we begin to build relationships whereby we can trust each other for the future of our children, right? And our children's children. You know, the text says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And so that I cannot be someone that is for the community and only think about myself. Yeah, that's right. I cannot be about the community and only think about myself, and shout out to all of those who are community active and uh, find ways to make your community better. And whatever side of town you live on, uh, that you are dedicated to making sure that our people move forward. Now, listen, I am not anti-anybody. Right. Touch your neighbor and say that. Right. I am not anti-anybody, Culture Call, but I am pro-black people. I am pro our community. I am pro our culture. And and especially from a local to a, a state to a national and even a global level. That's right. I am for our people. Um, and not just the history of that that has been told to us, but from the, the history of time. That we have always been a great people that created great civilization and great community. That really civilization came from black folks, African people. Um, read the history. It's not history that we know much about. But while others were hiding and living in caves, we were teaching them how to bathe and how to do arithmetic. We were teaching them about philosophy. And a lot of the philosophers from a historical context of that we that many in in schools even laud and applaud, uh, they went to Africa to learn that that whole I, the philosophical uh, uh, objectivity and the philosophical viewpoint of the world. Absolutely, it's historical, but they don't tell you that. And this is why they're trying to change the history books because you know a, a, a lot of times, and I say this all the time, especially as it relates to educating community because you know somebody told me well uh l you you know you're just a smart aleck you're just a nerd no i'm a nerd i'm a nerd i'll tell you because i'm gonna read i'm gonna research i'm gonna investigate but here it is i don't do all those things simply for my self-knowledge that if you're around me any length of time especially in my church or my friends or my anytime i open my mouth i'm going to bring out what i have learned to empower those who are around me. Absolutely. I love I love going to school and I love reading and I love bringing out new information because I believe that knowledge is power. I get that from my granddaddy. My granddaddy would sit around all day and read books, books, books. And he had like a third or fourth grade education, but he would read, read, read. He got his bachelor's degree. He got all of those things. He was able, he was able to do all of those things uh, because he was a voracious reader. 
and a lover of his community. That was not a community that did not love Reverend C.P. Townsend. And so I kind of adopted that whole idea of making myself a part of the community. And, you know, uh, because we're in, you know, we, we live in such a, a competitive community that sometimes people don't know uh, they start they start, you know, rejecting what God has placed in their midst to be a blessing to them. But I love, love helping and bringing my community more, new information. I think it makes us better. Absolutely. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I believe that, again, if we're reading the signs of a time, if we're reading the signs, let me say this again. If we're reading the signs of the times, it is a prime opportunity for our community to to reset itself, you know, and that means inviting everybody who has any level of influence. That's not the preacher, the teacher and the doctor and the lawyer to the table. But that's everyone that believes in community and understands that we have an opportunity now to have a major reset and being able to make our communities viable in Tuscaloosa, in, in every community, Utah, Reform, Gordo, Bola G, yeah, uh, in Birmingham and all those different kinds of places, yeah, that we just had the biggest classic uh, in, in, uh, in uh, you know, uh, HBCU history, and the Magic City Classic right there in Birmingham that generated at least $30 million for the Birmingham city community. $30 million on one weekend, you know? And so that means that our community has financial viability. Hear me now. That means, I want you to see what that means. That means we have financial viability. The issue is, is although we have financial viability in this country, we often fall to financial victimhood because of policy, because we don't necessarily come together and channel or properly vector that finances that builds up our community infrastructure. We will allow, we will allow other communities to come into our, our neighborhoods and start businesses, yeah, or we will let we will allow low tier businesses to come into our communities, yeah. And when I say low tier businesses, I'm talking about cash check uh, check cashing places and and uh, uh, ABC, uh, you know, commodities liquor stores, <laughs> you know, gas stations, right? We will let them come in and uh, gentrify our communities, and then outprice the people who once lived in a viable community. We are sell our properties for uh, for um, nickels and pennies on the dollar to say that they say, hey, I'm going to give you this amount of money. And because we are always play financial victims, and I say play because I just told you about financial viability in one weekend that we gave Birmingham, the city thereof, $30 million plus dollars, Right. And I have people on my team and my staff that works with places, with works with institutions that verify those numbers. And so, but how does that trickle into community? How does that trickle down into businesses in our community? How does that, how does that trickle down? The, right, that we go there and then we return back to our communities with, with no 
entrepreneurial or business viabilities, right? We need to rethink how we channel our money, how we spend our money. We need to uh, think about who's at the table, who's spending our money, right? That right now, our tax dollars are funding, are funding Israel and Ukraine. That, that on one hand, you, that our monies are funding a country that's trying to throw off imperialism, fighting Russia, right, and the Ukraine. But then on the other side, our country is also funding a, an institution, <laughs> an institution that's trying to become a nation, right, trying to become a state and, and, and doing some genocidal things against other people, right? And and there, how much how many how much of our own tax dollars are being poured in to our own viability as black people, as black communities, right? How come uh, inner cities have not been eradicated? By and large, it's our people that suffer most from uh, uh, from student loans. Yeah, from student loans, being able to educate ourselves that the Congress just said and the and the United States Supreme Court, right, just says that's not that's not viable. But watch this, y'all. It's viable, though, for the judges on the bench to take kickbacks and loans from from their conservative partners to do private private uh, vacations and buy homes and and RVs oh they can do that but we can't get student loan forgiving forgiveness and if you think it doesn't have to do with who's who's mostly in debt then you are sadly mistaken absolutely and so when you're looking at how our tax dollars are being spent and the money that we spend out we spend more on hair but do we own the hair stores we spend more money on alcohol, but do we own the ABC stores? We spend a lot of money on gasoline, but do we own the gas stations? Right? We spend a lot of money on food trucks, but by and large, we're not owners of food trucks. Right? And, and so when we start thinking about it, when we start thinking about it, at the beginning of the year, we've got to buy materials for our children to go to school. Is that money, is the money in our communities going to our schools so that the teachers don't have to come out of their pocket and we don't have to come out of our pocket to even just buy reams of paper, paper and pencils that the teachers, once they get them, they don't allow our kids to have the same pencils that you just bought. You see what I'm saying? So we've got to begin to rethink uh, about how we're going to be the, uh, the community that moves forward, Right? And, and so watch this. Coretta Scott King said something very powerful. That's, of course, you know, that's the wife of Dr. Martin Luther King. Here's what she said. The greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members. Let me say that again, because she said a word right there. The greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members. That's what Dr. Coretta Scott King said. That means that, that our communities are not going to become great, are not going to really move forward against policies that, of course, they can't, in this kind of world, they can't say it's against black communities. But watch, watch. As soon as, let me show you what I mean. For example, that we're living in a time 
uh, I can remember when the chief judge Roberts said that uh, the the sanctions on from the civil rights uh, all the way back to the Civil War on southern states, Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, South Carolina, all those, right, Texas, all of those that we live in a different time. They don't need these sanctions anymore. And so they struck that down in the Voters' Rights Act, in the VRA, right? They struck that part, part down that moved those restrictions, that they couldn't change voting policies unless they had federal approval. But they moved all of that, right? And as soon as they did that, there was an ilk in the government. Hear me, culture calls, so, you, so you're not late, last, and lost. Maybe you missed this. They moved that clause, and as soon as they did that, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Louisiana, Texas, all of them, South Carolina, all of them went back to civil war, civil rights, uh, disenfranchisement. They cut up states to ensure uh, uh, certain parties could have certain, uh, 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 you, you know, gerrymandering so that their people could only control the, 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 the government in that particular state, right? Alabama was just struck down by the Supreme Court. All of those states that I just named had to go to court were taken to court and struck down. You know why? Because what the Supreme Court justice said that it was about it was past time that they wouldn't do is exactly what they did. They cannot help it. They can't help it because the world is changing and they want to see the world in a, in a way that they have power, that they have that kind of power. And when they don't have that kind of power, they will cut up the state to make sure that they can gain that kind of power because they have an ideological uh, uh, reference point that says, let's keep these people Talking about us now, let's keep these people in a place of subservient where even if they vote, it won't count. That's exactly. See, and so now that they're losing cases, and so Alabama, and, they, and, and here's Alabama. Alabama, they took it to the Supreme Court, and they still said, we ain't going to do it. Now, why did they do that? Because they have constituencies that agree with them. Y'all better hear me, culture call. Hear me, black folks. They have constituencies that still agree with them. They have constituencies based off this Christo-fascism, this Christian nationalistic view, this supremacist view that everybody's voice should not count, only their perspective. So even if they, we're going to slice up this city to, or, or divide it in a way that even if they do vote, it has no potency to change the outcome. It still is going to put us in position. That's the facts. Right. And it's happening all over the South again. Right. And you have to start understanding if your vote didn't matter what they do that. If your vote on every level did not matter what they have to cheat <laughs> to do that. Facts. Now, we can go to church rallies and we can pray, and I believe prayer changes things, but also prayer, people of prayer change things. Let me do that again. Prayer, it's not this that prayer changes things. Prayer changes you, and you begin to change things. So we can pray all we want to, culture call, but if we are not active, 
If we are not, there's always something on the outside of us that's trying to push our communities back. The way that we can overcome that is we must come together as a viable connective force, a viable connected force that causes us to understand that, yes, we are better when we do it together. That a separated fingers are are not as strong as an enclosed hand, a fist. That as long as we are separated, as long as preachers are not liking preachers and churches ain't liking churches, as long as this councilman don't like that councilman, as long as this side of town don't like that side of town, as long as this one is jealous of that one, as long as they can't come together, as long as that is the mantra and the signature of how we operate and we cannot come together, we will be defeated. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Cannot stand. You know, yesterday I preached a, a sermon at the church called You Are Worth the Fight. And I was talking about Abram and Lot. And yes, Lot did some things to Abram, took the best of what God gave Abram. It wasn't even Lot's to have. God gave it to Abram. But the text says in Genesis 14 that when Lot got in trouble and got captive by the enemy, Abraham, Abram said, absolutely not. Because he is my blood. Because he is my family, I'm going to go and pursue the enemy that tried to take my blood. Listen, if we don't get this whole understanding of don't, it doesn't matter what you look like, what who you know, who you love and all that kind of stuff, but we are one blood and one family. And if you attack one of us, you attack all of us. If we don't get that mindset, they will separate us and divide and conquer. And we cannot have that in our communities. Absolutely not. Listen, we've got a lot to talk about in this renewing our community and resetting our community. But I need you to keep it right here on the Culture Call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith, right here on Praise 93.3. It's a great day at the station and a great day in your life. Don't miss it. Culture Call. It's the top of the hour, 11 a.m. And some change with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith, right here on Praise 93.3, your inspiration station. And we are having a blast here in the studio. Absolutely. We're talking about resetting our community, getting ready for the new year already. That's right. In the final days of October, going into November and December, we are already making sure and making certain that we are coming together as a people. That's right, 2024 is going to be a pivotal and powerful year that we cannot miss at all, right? And so, you know, my job is to make sure that we are not late, last, and or lost. Absolutely. Late, last, or lost. We can't do it. Yeah, too much going on, y'all. And so, yeah, we got to show up for everything. Listen, 205-752-4800, or you can hit me up on the app. That's right. Let me hear what you're thinking about community and what we've already said today. I need to hear from you. If you want to be on the show, go ahead. Some folks like, I don't want to be on the show. I, I get it. I get it. I understand. But, yes, I want to hear from you about what we are doing in our community. Also want to remind you to go ahead and send me your public service announcements and events. Why? Because I want to make sure everybody knows what's happening 
in your neck of the woods. You know, in a few weeks, November 10th through the 11th, we are be we will be celebrating. We will be celebrating uh, at my church 33 years. That's right, 33 years of ministry. And I want to invite all of you to be a part at, uh, on November 10th, on the 11th, on the 12th. November 10th, we'll, our choir will be in concert. We've got a special musical guest that I'm going to announce later on this week. And then on Saturday, we'll have a ball. That's right, that's happening uh, at the Tuscaloosa River Market. We want you to be a part of that. And then on Sunday, we're going to be celebrating, celebrating all that is going on and that God has done for our church. That's right. So, yeah, definitely we want you to be a part of that. Listen, listen. So go ahead, 205-752-4800. Give me a call and I will put you on. That's right. No, Yeah, let me see if I can get this here today. Uh, yeah, oh, okay. There you go. Who do I have on the air with me this morning? Hello? Oh, I guess they hung up on me. That's all good. No problem. Yeah, you can call me, 205-752-4800. Somebody's been blowing up this phone, uh, and they always calling me during breaks. <laughs> Y'all got to call me while I'm on the air. Absolutely. Listen, I want to remind you uh, again to be a part of what's going on in your community. Don't just be sitting there on the side, but I want you to know that you are important to what is going on. Listen, I I did a quote the last the last uh a last segment that talked about what Coretta Scott King said, the greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate action of its members. And so I want us to be actively uh actively engaged in what is going on. I believe I've got a caller who's this calling me this morning. I can't hear you on the line. Yeah, I can't hear you on the line, darling. All right. All right. Well, I'll try it again. Y'all try it again. We're trying to get these phone systems up and running. And uh, yeah, but nonetheless, I want you to make sure I want to make sure that you understand that your voice matters. Your voice indeed matters to what we what's going on in our community. You know, another thing that I want to say to us is the power of collaboration, the power of collaboration. What does that collaboration mean? That means that if we've been functioning, part of our problem is sometimes that we function so far apart that this one is doing that and, and is disconnected from that. And then we create, out of the competitive capitalistic society, we create a competition. And we don't even understand the collective uh, a community that happens when we come together. We don't understand the collective force of what happens when we are unified, when we're unified. And uh, yeah, and so if we don't do that, if we don't come together in, 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 a, in a clear uh, clear way, then what's going to happen is that we are forced, we are forced, that's right, to uh, you know not only be left just with competition, but an opportunity we're going to miss to move our communities forward. Now, understand I, that, that, that I believe, I believe in this capitalistic system with marketing, you know, and I see it even in the church world that there is competition, unfortunately, unfortunately, that that's not a good thing because, you know, if we're all on the same side, then, but here's the deal, that quality also matters. 
quality also matters. So when we're dealing with quality, quality can affect quantity. That when you're not a, 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 a quality kind of situation, if you're not a quality business, a, and I hate to say it like this, but please understand my heart, you're not a quality church. Now, I don't believe, now here's me, when I say quality church, let me go and, quali- uh, let me go and qualify that so nobody won't get offended at me, right? <laughs> here's what I'm saying about that, that some things and some people are not yours to reach, all right? I had to learn that, that I'm not everybody's pastor. My church is not for everybody. And I think we gain, uh, we, we do ourselves a great disservice when we try to reach every and anybody. I think we lose our mission. We lose our vision. We lose our core focus when we're trying to lose, when we're trying to gain and get everybody to come to us uh, as, a, as a church. So, and I, you know, it is whosoever will let them come, but let them come and not make them come because I don't, I don't believe that, you know, I were to go to Reverend, Reverend Dr. White's church and recruit his members because they, they're bought there with him because there is something that he has been given for them. So let them serve there and you go grow your grass and whoever eats your grass, uh, you bake your bread and whoever eats your bread is fine. And if Reverend White has 50 people and, and, and Reverend Stenson has, you know, a, 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 a 500 people, doesn't mean that Reverend White is any lesser than Reverend Stenson. It just means that, hey, more people want what Reverend Stenson's grass right now. Things change. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not in competition because together, as I count it, we, we've got, you know, 550 people for the kingdom of God. If we if we're unified and we're together, that's right. More people brings more systems, brings more. Uh, you know, you know, you got to have more money, more more structure. Yeah, all of that. Yeah, and the more structured you become, the less personalized you can. You have the tendency to become, and that does not relate well in our community. I'm not telling what I think. I'm telling you what I know. Right, and so it's these systems of competition that a lot of times kills collaborations. That we're not exchanging information. We're, we're, we're not sharing resources as a community. We're not looking out for one another. And I just told you about Abram and Lot. That whole issue of Abram and Lot is really interesting. And I used that as a context on yesterday just to tell the people that, yes, that even our own family can hurt us, I, I can, can do things wrong to us because you know, Abram was willing to share his blessing with his nephew, Lot, and told Lot, you know, pick what you want. Pick the land that you want. And Lot went around and chose the best land, the most fertile part of the land, <laughs> and left Abram, the, who the blessing was for, with the struggle, you know, and, and the whole idea of may the Lord watch between me and thee while we absent one from another. Yeah, that was the whole idea, the premise in that, you know, go go forward. Go be blessed, right? You, you know, and Abram had to reckon that I gave my family something that he took from me, that, it, he, you know, he took the best part, the part that wasn't deserving, right? But when the, the, when the enemy came up against Lot, Abram had to practice family. He had to practice family on another level. He had to practice, you know, because, hey, we're not together. 
You, you feel what I'm saying? We ain't, no, we, 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 you, you took my stuff. And Abram, and I asked the church, I said, now, you know, if that was you, some of us, we'd have an issue. Well, that's what he get. <laughs> he shouldn't have, he shouldn't have took my stuff, right? Uh, 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 you know, he, he shouldn't, he shouldn't, uh, uh, you know, he, he, he should have, he should have been more lenient and kind to me. You know, you know how we do things, y'all. <laughs> you know, we, we know how that whole idea comes. And that, that, that's, that's, that's something, you know, sometimes you do have to make the Lord watch. Sometimes you got to do that between me and thee. You, sometimes you got to do that to family. But when they are in need, when our family needs something, when our community needs something, we ought to be able to put down whatever happened. Yeah? You ought to be able to put down whatever happened and come together and fight together so that we all can be sustained. Right? And so that, 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 that's something very important that we need to understand. We need to understand that. That when Laban said to Jacob, peace, <laughs> you go your way, I go my Yeah, sometimes separation is necessary. But we have to learn how to rise to the situation and utilize the frame of reference of, of saying, hey, this doesn't matter right now. What matters is that I fight for you, that I stand with you, that I, that I am your support. And we have to have that, right? We have to have a mutual level of trust in community. I'm leaving my kids with you because you know why? I believe that you're going to treat my children like you would treat your children. And that first, that first starts off with, I got I to gotta see how you treat your own kids. Now, I'm not just going to leave my children with you because you, you're a part of my community and you black and all that. No, because you might treat your children like nothing. And so I can't let your... I can't let you hold my kids because if I tell you treat my kids like you treat your kids, then Lord Jesus, what's going to happen to my kids? Because <laughs> you don't care too much about your own. You see? But I think that is important. I think that is important. And if we don't understand how to come to each other's rescue, if we don't understand what that means, to have that compassionate care for one another in the community. Because, listen, because, listen, if we don't stick together in a country where we are the minority, in communities and cities where we are the minority, if we do not stand together, we will fall to the ideology and the tactics of those who don't care nothing about us in the first place. That if they're making policies and doing certain things and you see them only taking care of their community, why are you just siding with them? Why are you on their side and they're not doing anything for your community? And one of the things that perturbed me, can I say this culture call? One of the things that really, really burns me up is when, here it is, is when folks who look like us act like they ain't one of us. You know, Zora Neale Hurston said, all of my skin folk ain't my kin folk. That's what she says. You know? And, and you, the sad part of that reality is simply this. Is that although that may be true, 
you know, that 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 does a very deleterious effect on who we are as a people. As a people. Absolutely. That that when you will sell us out, sell out your community just to have advan advantage and you don't even utilize the advantage that, that you gain to help your people. I get it that there's some things that we've got to do to get into certain doors. But I'm not going to ever disrespect mine. I'm not going to disrespect my family just to be comfortable for myself. No, I'm always going to appreciate those countryfied people who didn't know how a lot of them didn't know how to conjugate a verb and didn't know how to put sentences together, but they loved and they cared and they came together and they built together. I'm not going to put them and disown them because now I got a seat somewhere. No, because it's those folks in my community that that reared me, that taught me how to be a part of something bigger than myself. It told me how to never deny who God has made me to be. It taught me how to be strong in my faith. Yes, it taught me how to be a leader. It taught me how to have a voice, how to trust in the giftings that I have been given by the creator by the father that that yeah i'm not gonna disown them now because i can go to the country club now that i'm sitting on this board now that i am i am doing xyz and now i'm disconnecting from those from my folks who who taught me and all that i'm not gonna give up my roots just because i got a, a couple of fruit no because it's the roots that taught me how to be fruitful talking here l that's right culture call you don't, just because you got a little fruit, you're living in a better neighborhood now, you're driving a better car, your kids can go to private school, and all these things, you can afford a nice, in a nice neighborhood. Just because of that, that's not, that you don't neglect your roots and you don't cut your roots off and act like you don't have, no, your roots are what's causing you to grow. It's the life system. It's what you have learned from your community, from that little country place, from those those people who put two and three and five dollars together to build schools and build churches and and start credit unions and and funded funerals and 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 celebrated at weddings and and you know that gave you gifts at baby showers. It was those people that made sure you were sustained so that you could get your degree. So that you could get all those things. So that they were the ones that were clapping for you while you were practicing on them. So you never, you never just disconnect from those people. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. You need to call somebody who's like that and tell them, listen to this broadcast right now. Because you don't separate yourself and look down on, on folks. That's, that's the beauty that's the beauty of, of what I do from day to day. That's the beauty of being a community leader because you get to witness. You get to witness people who come up from hard places. I walked through with a lot of college students when I first got here who are doing amazingly well now and have gone on to do some amazing things. And I have to remind them every now and then pull their coattails and say, hey, but don't you forget. Don't you forget the folks that supported you. Don't forget the folks that fed you. 
when you didn't have any food. Don't forget those people that prayed and labored with you and spoke well of you and prophesied over you. Don't forget those kind those people because they are the ones that who you are standing on. I know you can go to the, you know, you got an invitation to the mayor's ball now, and I know that you're getting uh, recognized at this and that on your job, but don't forget when you did not have, there were people that were connected to you that sustained you. That's what community is. Yeah, that 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 there are parts of us that, you know, uh, that stand on the, the shoulders and we don't stand on them to stump on them. Say it. That's, that, there you go. We don't stand on them to stump on them. We stand on them as the support system for what we have and who we are today. Absolutely. Absolutely. It perturbs me when I hear younger generations talk about older artists and older people and older foundations and, and just talk about all the negative things. And I wouldn't have done that. And why they got the judgment? Because that's their life reference. That's why they judge. I started off telling you about them. Them. They are not bring, they're, they're being, they're still in their time. Even as aware as my mother and my father were, they still began to judge things from the sight of their time. And that's not a bad thing. That they're still judging from their times. Even though they're, they're still aware of what's happening now, they're using the common sense that was given to them. Oh, that's old hat. You know, there, there was something that was called foolishness back in the day. <laughs> but in this generation, there's no foolishness. People are just showing up and we ought to get people the space to show up how they want to show up and do what they want to do. You know, the, the, the text says that every man does right in their own eyes. Right. Every man is doing what they want to do to make themselves happy. Right. And and. And, and, and there's no sense of community. Oh, you don't, I, I'll, I'll create a community. I, you don't have to. No, 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 no. There was something at some time, you know, in, in, in history. Let me do a history lesson. There in, in South Carolina, in, in the deep, low country in the South Carolina, in the Gullah and the Geechee places, they would have what they call praise houses. And the praise houses were the first churches in the black community, right? Uh, and, you know, that was where the overseer or the master would give slaves, uh, the enslaved not slave, but the enslaved, um, a place to worship. And, but we, uh, you know, our people turn those places into community centers. And one of the things that when a child was born and they got old enough that they would go to this praise house slash community center, and they would have a, a, a thing called catching sense, catching sense that they had to catch sense. S-E-N-S-E, that right? Like they would make sure that that young child would be a part of that community and they would have to go to the elders to see if that child caught sense. What does that caught sense or catching sense mean? It meant that that child had to understand who the elders were of that community. How was this community founded? What was his lineage, who he was connected to? Right. What were the sayings? What was the thought? What was the perspective of that particular plantation or that particular community that they were a part of before they could even work or be accepted in the community? They had to catch sense. Right. And so 
you know, my mom was a part of that community that they had to catch sense. They got to know, they had to know who their cousins were. They had to know who the X, Y, Z, and right. They had to know who family, their family tree. Today, our children don't even know who they, they could marry a cousin and not even know it. You know, we went to a school. I went to a school, elementary and high school. I went to a uh, a community where my, my grandmom and my mom would tell us, my dad would tell us, you got to be careful who you go with. You know, we used to go with them back in the day. You got to be careful who you date because you got to know who they come from. You got to know what, because you could be dating your cousin. Absolutely. You could be dating your cousin because the community was just close-knit like that. And I had a lot of beautiful cousins. And, you know, you come home and say, Mom, I think I like such and so forth. And say, and they would ask you things like, who are their people? Y'all remember that. Come on, Culture Call. Yo, who are their people? That's what they would ask. Who are their people? And you would tell them people. They'd be like, oh, no, you can't date them. Not that anything was wrong with that young girl or that young man. They were just closely related. And you just didn't know. You, they, they were, you, did, you did not know. And they would tell you the lineage. They would make you catch some sense <laughs> so your baby wouldn't come out slow is how they, how they said it back in the day, right? Your baby would not come out in a, in a situation where you were genetically so close that, the, you know, yeah, the, the, that the baby would not come out in any kind of challenges, right? And so we've got to develop a, 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 a particular catching sense within our communities again. We've got to develop that. Yeah. And if you don't, listen, your children, they, they, you know, I know we live in different societies, so it may not have to be as prevalent because they're going to integrated schools, but that's before they were going to integrated schools. That was, you know, I went to, you, you know, a predominantly black school. There were a few whites there, you, you know, but after integration, you know, and the area of where I went to school was up with is where my family originated from. So I definitely had to come home and tell them, you know, I'm liking such and so forth. And they're like, oh, well, hold on. That's Kun so They would call him not cousin. They would call him Kun. That's Kun so-and-so's daughter. Or that's Kun so-and-so's granddaughter. And they would tell you all of that to give you some sense. That's how the community was, right? And so... The reason why I'm trying to say that is that we're in a situation now because they're changing history. They're, they're, our communities are so dispersed and so diverse and so disconnected. We may need to come back together again so that our young people can start what? Catching sense. That they understand, you know, who to respect and who are the people who are the foundations of our community, of our churches, of our schools, you know? That, that they'll understand the value of where they're growing up. And see, they can take that on, that they know that they're not in this world by themselves. Culture call, that they are not in the world by themselves, that they have people who stand with them and not only stand with them, but stand, watch this, under them. Under them, Right? that hold them up. I think it's so very important. So very important that that to have a place of people that really understand where they come from. 
and why they're pouring back in their community. And you can move off, you know, uh, to 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 the northern cities, New York and New Jersey and Pennsylvania. You go to Chicago and and Detroit and you know uh, uh, that great migration, right? But what was interesting to me is that when my grandparents, my grandmother had a tea. You know, they had a tea car. They could build buildings. You know, they build their churches and all that kind of stuff. That she would call them who were uh, uh, better, better off and they're fluent, more influent in the northern states because they were in part of factories and had different levels of education. And they would send money back so she could be the the, the great fundraiser for whatever building project that they had. Right? That those people who went up north, they would come back home down south, is what they would call it, to the family reunions. They would come back down south and, you know, you would know that you had family up north and all that. They came back to strengthen their roots again. And in an hour, in an hour where we're producing generations that are so individualistic, I think that one of the things that we've got to reclaim is this whole idea of catching sense again. We've got to get a generation that can catch some sense because yeah we're living in we're living now where the folks and different ones yeah. <laughs> they catching something all right but it ain't sense they're catching some things but it is not sense right we can be so busy trying to get to the future and i am what i call a futurist I am what I call a culturist. I, I, I study the culture. I want to know what's going on in the culture, but I also, I also gear my life to the future. What's going to happen tomorrow? Preparing people for life tomorrow. Well, I hear you saying, well, tomorrow is not promised. I get it. I understand it's not promised to me, you, or anybody. I get it. But doesn't mean that I don't have to prepare. Doesn't mean that I don't have to study tomorrow. Doesn't mean that I shouldn't know what I, if I do have a tomorrow, I need to have a plan. I need to have a strategy, don't you think? Absolutely. And I don't care how old you are. You need to have a plan for tomorrow. Even if you don't live to make it to tomorrow, have a plan. If you are able-bodied and in your right mind, get a plan. And I think a part of that plan that we, are, we need to give our children is to tell them that even though you may be fruitful in your future, those fruits, those fruit rather, come from roots. Roots that are deep in the soil of our existence in this country and as a community. And don't you ever neglect it. Don't you ever disrespect it. Because those are the people who you stand on to make it. You feel me? Those are the people who you stand on to survive. And if you ever disrespect your roots, I tell you, if those roots shrivel up on you as a community, if you disconnect from your root, then not many days hence, your fruit is going to dry up and shrivel away. Yeah, that's the stories we need to be telling in our community. We got to stick together. More now than ever. Listen, this is yours truly, L. Spencer Smith, right here on the Culture Call. Praise 93.3. Go ahead. Get your little snack. Yeah, go ahead. Get your early lunch. And I need you to keep it right here. There's more to come. This is a world premiere. And we are back. 
right here on the Culture Call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith of Praise 93.3. And we have had an amazing day. Listen, I want to challenge all of us today. Real talk. Listen, I want to challenge us today to really begin to, to see what our part can be in creating a better community. A better community. What does that look like to you? As we're talking about community resets, as we're talking about uh, community in terms of becoming viable in the times in which we live, I think it's very important for us to begin to navigate uh, the idea of how we as individuals can really do our part in strengthening the, the foundations and not only the foundations, but the walls and the ceilings and the elevation of our community. I think it's important. I think when we look in, in our hearts as individuals and say, hey, am I doing all that I could do? Am I participating in my community? Am I voting? Am I in my own house creating an understanding of, for my wife, for my children, for my husband? Am I saying anything about our community? You know, I can remember, you know, and, and I pull a lot from my past because it has shaped who I am today that my mom and my dad will always talk about, number one, community, that they were always pro-black, that they would teach us the nuances of history and all of that, that coming out of the 60s, both in South Carolina State and uh, college and Claflin College that they graduated from, that they were fighting to, to vote, you know, uh, how they were shot at, how they were put in jail, and how all those things, they gave us histories of how they grew up and just to give us an awareness. And one of the things that they taught us is that you will probably never live in the harsh times that we had to live. You will never live with dogs barking at you, trying to bite you. You will never live in the days of fire hoses. Never. You will never live in the days and the vestiges of of hearing that somebody was hung. You'll never live. They lived in that time. Being born in 1942, they, they, they survived and survived and all of that. And the way that they survived is that they were sheltered in community. But they told us, you will probably never live in that time. But be careful. You got to stay active in community because there is still something in this country that would not mind going back to that time, to that space, to, to that mindset that you are secondary and that you are below humanity, that you don't deserve the right to live. Yeah, be mindful of that and work in your community to build the least one up. You know, my dad had a lot of friends who were, who were drunks at the time, you know? And my mom had a lot of friends who were, you know, who you wouldn't consider to be the best in, uh, 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 in society. One of the things they showed me through their faith and through their actions is that even those people deserve respect. Even those people, even who we would consider to be the lowest among us, 
deserve to be looked at as viable human beings. Because life can happen to you so quick that you just don't know. You have absolutely no clue about how this thing can turn out for you. How it will, how it will turn out in your life if you're not careful. And they, they taught us that. They, they showed us that. And, and that was something that I, I will never forget. That they taught us how to respect Mr. Frankie <laughs> up the street from us. They taught us how to, you know, respect those elders in our community to, to whatever they ask you to do, if you can do it, you know, to, to help them out. To go to school and educate yourself. And then with that education... Pull somebody else up behind you that you never use what you know to belittle anybody. That to empower yourself is to empower an entire community. And they were beloved in the community. And I would, I would look at them and they, you know, they would recognize me and say, hey, me, my brothers and my sister, that's Smitty's kids. That's Lynette, them boys and, and you know, and, and, and child, you know, they were, they, 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 because they made such an impact in not in just their communities, but various communities. And that's the kind of life, that's the kind of life that I wanted to live and that I seek every day to live, not to be an abstract to the community, not to, to, you know, to be someone, you know, you can't be at everything and you're not, you know, I get it. I'm not homegrown to Tuscaloosa. I'm, you know, I, I, so I talk a lot about South Carolina because that's where I'm from. My wife is homegrown here. She imported me here. <laughs> yes. But I believe that I've been here in Tuscaloosa long enough. I'm still, I'm still learning who the movers and shakers are. You know why? Because I ask. Who are the movers and shakers on, you know, on this side of town, on that side of town? Who was the founders of this church? Who, you know, how did this church begin? Who were the pastors there? Yeah. How did this individual get to be a part of this? And how did this, how did this, uh, this organization come to bear? I love history. So I want to know. I want to know so that you, you have to be careful because where history is not known it can be disrespected, right? When you don't know where something has come from, it is easy to look at it as if, you know, it doesn't matter. So you have to know. You have to know all of that. And when you begin to challenge systems and you begin to attempt to move people forward, you've got to definitely know where they come from. So a lot of times I'm coming from a perspective of a known history. Right. Especially when I talk about my people, when I talk about our community, I would I want to know how we got here. How does this happen? How does this? Who is this person? You know, because it is important. My my perspective is that I have to educate my community. I have to I have to be a voice for my community. I have to take what my community has given me and attempt and help build, not be the only builder, because I'll never be able to do that because the community existed before I even got here. But there are people, there are people who are central, who are foundational to the existence of who we are. And by and large, 
there has been a great deal of progress. Absolutely. In the 20, uh, what is this, 26 years that I've been here, living here, there's been a great deal of growth. That the Tuscaloosa that I used to visit in college with my girlfriend, then girlfriend, right, has grown so much. The, the, the things that my father-in-law would tell me about the community and about certain, certain areas and factions and certain things because he grew up here, you know, about those certain things that I, I, I didn't know. And I didn't even know why he was telling me at the time. I'm like, okay, I'm like, I had no clue that I would be living here one day, raising my family. I had no, I had no clue. And so when I figured out that that's what was going to be, then, yes, I'm here to create a space, a, 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 an advancing, a different Tuscaloosa. But guess what? I am also here to manage the root system and the foundation and the structure. We cannot walk away. We can't walk away from, you know, Tuscaloosa and its place in civil rights history. I know they talk a lot about Birmingham and all of those things, but Tuscaloosa has a rich and vibrant history in the civil rights movement. We can't walk away from that. Because to walk away from that gives those who remember that the right to disrespect it as well and to hold us accosted to certain uh, mindsets of the past. And so the rallying cry that I want to say to the people who are, you know, 50 and younger, at least 55 and younger, is what will we do to secure the future of our community? What are you currently involved now, involved with now? Who are you con connected with now? There are a whole lot of programs and a whole lot of organizations that are doing great work in building our community and building families, right? From the D9s of our community all the way to, you know, the links and all of those and, you know, Jack and Jill, all of those, those NAACP and all of those viable communities that have been uh, uh, viable organizations that have been strong in the past, they are still viable now. What are you doing? The Masonic Lodges and the Eastern Stars, all of those who are still promoting communities that we've got to come out of our separate factions and, and, and our hidden spots and our hidden places and our own specializations and, and that's just them, you know? I didn't even know about the, the federated clubs until my wife told me about Las Amigas and the Cosmos and all. I didn't even know about that in South Carolina because we didn't have it, those things. But yeah, it was a rites of passage for young women and, you know, and young men to be a part of certain things. How are we carrying on and building our communities toward the future? I want us to think about that. If we've learned anything from our history, if we've learned anything from our past is that, listen, that as we come together, we become a viable force in creating change and not just in our community, but in the entire city. That we can elect officials, that we can become the power structure in our black communities that move us forward. That we become a voice, a voice that must be heard and cannot be ignored. Yes, that's what we can become when we recognize that just like our foreparents, 
We have a responsibility to each other. We have a responsibility to our foreparents, to our senior citizens now. We have a responsibility to our children who are going to stand on the shoulders of who we are. That where we are now should not be the ceiling, but the floor of our children's future context. And all right, I hear you talking. You, I know you what you're saying. I hear you, but you don't. You, yeah, let's stop with the excuses because there are none. That's how we got here. Oh, I ain't doing no better. That's not the truth. That's a lie. You are doing much better, and the conditions are much better than our foreparents. I am telling you what I know, not what I think. They are, we are doing much, much better than our foreparents. And we owe it to them to teach them, teach our generations the lessons that we learn. Let's stop talking about what they didn't do for us. And let's start speaking about what they did. What they did do for us. How they survived so that we could thrive. How they struggled so that we could move forward that we could stand on the platforms, that we could have the kind of jobs, that we could go to the kind of schools that we can go to now, that we have the opportunity to do whatever we want to do and create a future for ourselves because they were limited in theirs. Let's not forget the branches and the tree trunks and the root systems that help us today bear the, the fruit and the much fruit that we have today. We owe it to our communities. Not to take back. We owe it to our communities to do all that we can do to make it great. Don't you think, Culture Call? I believe that. Absolutely. Listen, I see the runway. I've got a little bit more. I need you to keep it right here on the Culture Call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith. Don't miss it. This is a world Culture Call family, we've come to the end of another awesome show. Did you enjoy yourself? <laughs> I hope that you did. Thank you for hanging out with me from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. right here on the Culture Call with your truly L. Spencer Smith. Listen, we have started a conversation and I'm going to continue it online. That's right, on my Facebook page, The Culture Call and L. Spencer Smith, because I want to know exactly what you intend to do on behalf of your community. I think it's a big question, don't you think? That we have an opportunity now to be able to be uh, in, in, in a pl place and a position to where we can shape the future. We got to pay attention to what's happening in our state government. As I said at the onset of this broadcast, that they are trying to go back to, you know, uh, pre-60s and pre-voters' rights uh, acts, you know, uh, mindsets and policies. They're trying to do that. And it's illegal, but if no one says anything, then guess what? They'll go, a lot of, a lot of people voted under illegal maps. This past cycle, they put in folks under illegal maps, and it made it seem like, because you didn't know that, it made it seem like who you voted for didn't win. But no, they were voting under illegal maps. And that's what the adjudication is. We're going to be talking about that tomorrow. 
that you got to pay attention to what's happening in the state level. Yeah, that, because the, you, you know that you are part of community in a state. It's not just Tuscaloosa. It's not just Prince George's County. It's not just, you know, Har- uh, uh, you know Harrison County. It's not just all those different kinds of things. No, you've got to know what's happening in your community. I don't care what state you're in. Yeah, your governors, your attorney generals, you've got to watch what's going on. That's right. And that's, guess what? That's why I am here. <laughs> that's right. To make sure that you are not late, last, and lost. Because we are going to definitely need you to be viable, especially in this coming year. Trickery is coming. Deception is coming. Evil machinations and activities are coming. Because they know the power of your voice and your vote. And for some people, guess what? She, uh, they, 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 some people, they only know, they only know how to cheat to win. Yeah, they know how to cheat to win. So, yeah, you got to check up and uh, stay tuned into the culture call. Tell everybody, hey, at 10 to 12, if you ain't got nothing to do, listen to Elspeth Smith right here on the culture call. You know, at the end of every phone call, my grandmama and my mama used to say, yeah, I love your bushel, I love your peck. And I love your hug around the neck. Of course, this has been the Culture Call with yours truly, L. Spencer Smith, right on here on your inspiration station, Praise 93.3. I need you to do good, be kind to everyone. Yeah, don't start no trouble. <laughs> be at peace with all men and have a great day. Love you guys. Talk to you tomorrow. Peace.